Hello everyone and welcome to the Retirement Conference podcast series. I'm Amanda White, Director of Institutional Content at Connexus Financial and Editor of Top1000Funds.com. I'm joined today by Andre Snellen. Andre is Chair of the Dutch Pension Fund for Retail Workers, Pension Fund Detail Handle. He's also the chair of an ICPM working group that critiqued the Australian retirement system. For context, ICPM is the International Centre for Pension Management, which is a research-based organisation with 42 partners from around the globe. Its aim is to improve pension system design and investment decision-making through research, discussion and collaboration. Welcome, Andre. Thank you, Amanda. So let's just start by checking in. We're certainly living in unprecedented times. How is the mood in the Netherlands at the moment and and how are you holding up, Andre? Um, The Netherlands is a little bit ahead of Australia, I think, with uh, with, uh, Corona. Um, Shook up, but not beaten. Uh, It's been a few weeks now that that it's in the Netherlands. Uh, It came in from Italy, people going on... uh, on holiday there to ski, and uh, they took it with them. Um, we are close to a lockdown now. We aren't there yet, uh, and we hope to avoid it. Uh, peculiarity is that we have in the south, uh, it's going faster than in the north, so there are n- no infected people in the north yet, whereas in the south, uh, uh, hospitals are uh, flooded, and people are moving, uh, are moved uh, people who are ill are moved from the south to the north. Uh, bars, restaurants, theaters closed, uh, but some shops are still open. So it's it's close to uh, to, uh, to a lockdown, um, but doing fine. You know, we're a rich country, enough food. People stay in their houses, work from home, and then yeah, unprecedented times, uh, unprecedented market circumstances, fix um, into the seventies. I understood that that's, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm, uh, a specialist on that, but I, I understood that it was an all-time high, uh, horrendous losses. Yes. Um, first time that clearinghouses are, uh, are tested. Um, great concerns there, but it, I think it's doing fine. Primary processes are, uh, are stressed. Uh, what happens if a large number of people get sick? Does it still hold? Uh, everybody working from home. Three, four months ago, we had this uh, Citrix uh, crisis, and working from from home was no longer possible. So if that happens now, then it's uh, then we're in a mess. Sounds like. A but sim- everybody's adapting unbelievably rapidly. So it's uh, we'll do. We we are doing relatively well. You know, um, it's okay. Thank you. Good. Well, I hope you stay safe. So let's have a chat about yeah, this. Yeah, and healthy. Yes, exactly right. Um, so you're yeah. part, of, part of this international working group, which is made up of pension experts from Canada, uh-huh. the UK, Chile, the Netherlands, South Africa, and the US. And you, you critique different systems, and last year Australia was the focus of that. One of the main criticisms that you found of the Australian system is that essentially it's just a giant bank account and that people feel disempowered. Andre, you're an economic psychologist by training. Can you explain a little bit more what you mean by this disempowerment specifically in Australia? I'm not sure if I use the word disempowerment, might be. 
but I'm sure that retirees are utterly lost. Um, while studying and interviewing in Australia, uh, we read and heard a lot about choice support and, and guidance in choice or advice uh, as a way out of the complexity of your system. You know, every, everything is means tested and there is a lot of, of uh, interference between, uh, between the different systems, healthcare system, uh, retirement system. Um, and this, you know, um, uh, leaning on choice as a way out of the complexity is, you know, we couldn't wrap our head around it. You know, it's, it's a very difficult way to, to organize it. Uh, as I heard someone say in the Netherlands, how to explain the technicalities of a pension to someone who doesn't understand a percentage. It's too complex for a lot of people, and it's too complex for those people who need it the most. Uh, and those people are the least capable of, of asking the right questions and asking, in, uh, asking them to, uh, to the right person. So um, this, this choice thing of, of, of navigating through the system is, on top of that, you know, people aren't that different. The people who need it uh, have similar needs with situations that are similar enough to say, well, you know, this is the way to go, and we force you to do that. Uh, but then you need clear objectives, and, and I think that, that lacks in Australia. But the disempowerment, if that's the word, is in, in the fact that, you know, people, people get so lost. And, and all these choices they have to make that they don't choose anymore, you know, nothing. And they just go with the flow. And that's very risky. So one of the main criticisms is that the Australian system is not set up for the retirement phase. What do you think is missing here in Australia and what can we learn from other systems given that we are defined contribution rather than defined benefit? But what are some of the learnings from other systems around the world that you think that would improve a focus on this retirement phase? Amanda, it's, it's, it's all right to, to, to ask the question, but Australia knows the answer. Um, as the Dutch, the Australians travel a lot, you know, you, you have an international view on a lot of things. You know what's happening around the world. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm quite willing to, to repeat the answer you know already. That's a proper decumulation phase uh, and embedded in, in a, a program with a, with a broad sport base. Um, you have this, this huge pile of money now uh, and, and, and you, you need to set a goal. And, and, well, as it's called a pension system, a retirement system, you know, the goal is paying pensions. And you should really properly wake, make work of that, you know, uh, uh, start working on that. Um, once you do that, and it, it will be difficult with your 9.5% um, premiums, you know, what you stumble upon if you, if you want to have a proper decumulation phase is that you have to de-risk in decumulation. And de-risking in this low interest rate environment, yeah, you know, returns will go down 
to say the least, you know, they will collapse with negative interest rates. So you will find that, as is the case in the rest of the world, if you want an adequate pension, you need more than 9.5%. You know, the rest of the world pays 15% or 20%, as in the Netherlands. Then you have an adequate pension. But with 9.5%, you know, you're not going to get there. So, so you, have to, you will have to pay more, except lower returns, uh, with less risk. And that's, you know, that's, that's not easy. That's not easy. I, I, if you have 30 years of very high returns, Australia did great in that, very high returns. And you're so used and always communicated returns, 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 and, and, and the best superannuation was, was the one with the, highest, with the highest returns. Well, going explaining de-risking to your clients, explaining the lower, the lower returns, that, that's not easy. But that's what you need, and you know it. You know it. All the talks we had in, in, in Australia, the things we read, it's all there. So you know it. it it's just doing it. That's, that's not easy. So I don't know if you saw on the weekend or if you're up to date with Australian news, but the Australian government announced that people facing hardship can dip into their superannuation savings. Apparently they didn't consult the industry on this before the announcement, so it was all a bit of a shock for the industry. But can you comment on that and also this idea that in Australia the system is highly politicised and what could be some alternatives to that? What could the industry do to liaise with government to separate that more than it is at the moment? Yeah, I, I, I read it uh, and I read in the comments uh, that it really rocked the boat. <laughs> um, but it, it's, you know, I'm sorry to have to say that, but it's, it's, it's in line with, with not being a retirement, a proper retirement provision, but just a big pile of money. And, and it's, it's not embedded enough in, in, a, in a clear goal. So, you know, to start with, that the industry was not control, consulted is, is, is understandable. You know, it, it's, it's difficult times. You can't take half a year, you know, to, to hear everybody's opinion as you, as you would want to before taking a decision like this. But I think, well, again, sorry to have to say it, but I think the industry made a mistake in being too slow and perhaps even, you know, a bit opportunistic in not pushing for a clear objective or not pushing enough for a clear objective, a clear goal for itself. So to put it negatively again, now they're up for grabs. You know, there is always a reason why you need money. Um, so if I look at the Netherlands where it's, you know, it's, it's very clear and, and very strict, uh, employers and employees just agreed that they will try to pay the pension premiums even now with this hardship. Um, and of course, there are some thoughts of postponing a pension accrual, accrual because, you know, if, if you have nothing to eat anymore, then, <laughs> then it's getting difficult to, to save for retirement. But no one dares to think, you know, using pension money to get out of this crisis. It's, 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 it's incomprehensible to us. Um, again, to put it negatively, you're smashing the piggy bank. And, you know, if, because you don't have a clear set goal for this money, 
it's perhaps even a surprise that it didn't happen with the great fires, you know? That was a big crisis for Australia as well. So if you don't have this clear goal for the money, then the money can be used for anything. So it's quite, and, quite, well, it's quite simple when you put it in those terms. It's actually just develop a goal and then be able to stick to that goal and be measured by that goal. If someone wants to have his sticky fingers in, in, into that money, he, will have to, he or she will have to explain what we're going to do with the goal that we have for that money. And now there's not enough a clear goal, so you can use it either way. So to be a bit... And, and I think the industry, the industry is to, well, the industry is a little bit to, to, to be blamed for that. I think, but that's that's perhaps more of, of a personal opinion than, and and of course, it, it, first and foremost, the government, you know. But as it is politicized, um, yeah, things should have been done before, and now it's too late, and you're up for grabs. So, Andre, not to be too simplistic in this question, but what should that goal look like? Is it to provide an adequate retirement income? For every Australian, is it is that too simplistic? Does it need to be more prescriptive? Well, you have, you have a basis, you know, as 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 for, for for countering poverty, you know, not having to live on the street. You, you can have any level that, that that you want, and that's that's the government thing, uh, often referred to as the first pillar, poverty relief, and then the second pillar is is uh, is related. To your wage, and you relate your pension goal to that wage. And the goal in the Netherlands is seventy percent of the average wage earned during a working period, and, and that's a clear goal. It's it's not difficult. It's it's difficult if you if you do the calculations and you see Jesus, then I have to pay an enormous amount of money to get there. Well, and if you don't want to pay it, then then you have to lower your goals. Clear and simple. It does sound simple when you put it like that. So you mentioned the Dutch system. It's, it's, it's easy for an outsider. We, we have our problems <laughs> in the Netherlands as well. So it's, 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 for an outsider, it's, it's clear and simple. Yeah. Uh, so why you, didn't you do it before? Well, that's right. <laughs> so you, you mentioned the Dutch system, which is rated by the Melbourne Mercer Pension Index as first in the world and has held that position for some time. And a key feature of the Dutch system is the governance structure and the decision-making at the funds. Do you have any comments on the board and decision-making structures in Australia? I think internationally, uh, decision-making processes, board processes, board setup is up to par. You know, it's, it's, it's sound in its setup. Um, it, it may gain in toughness, you know. Uh, I talked to APRA and, and we talked to APRA um, and if I compare it to the Netherlands, it's as easiest for me. You know, if, if you want to be on the board of a, of a, pension, uh, of a pension fund in the Netherlands, um, you have to go through a, a quite a tough uh, talk or talks with the uh, Dutch Central Bank. So that would be APRA with you. Uh, I had two, three-hour talks with the Dutch Central Bank before being uh, uh, appointed chair uh, at the industry-wide pension fund for the retail sector. Uh, 
Um, and a lot of people are uh, sent away, you know, uh, or given indications about you have to uh, follow that course or that course or do this or that. So, um, and you aren't there, there yet, I think. You, you, it's, 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 if, if someone wants to be on the board and, and he finds someone who wants to appoint him, then, then it's fine. Uh, so perhaps a little bit more there. Uh, also because, you know, you will have to expand internationally with your investments. That's a different ballgame. If you want to de-risk, that's a different ballgame. If you, if you have to communicate around that, de-risking, that's very difficult to, to get that into people's heads. That's very, so so um, the traits of, of, of the people in the boards are, are going to be, uh, you know, tougher. Uh, but I think that the setup itself is 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 good. We, we talked about that, and there were no problems there, as far as we were concerned. But you know, a little bit tougher. So, lastly, Andre, I want to talk to you about something you've done at the pension fund that you chair. And last year, you surveyed your members on their sustainability preferences, and then you actually acted on that uh, on those preferences by making investment decisions that specifically related to those preferences given to you by members. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you did that and, and why you did it, but then also what that approach means for the way pension funds interact with members in the future? To start off, I'm not really a sustainability guy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a classic employer a representative, uh, you know, sustainability. We have laws, and if you abide the law, then it's then it's fine. Um, uh, sustainability took off in the Netherlands, or well, to say for the for, for the retail sector, six or seven years ago. Uh, so we started to think about what is it, uh, how could we implement it, what are the philosophical thoughts behind it. Um, and uh, well, it's it's for the for the retail sector. It's it's also linked to Rob Bauer. Uh, he's he's an advisor of of the board, and he's uh, he's very pro sustainability. So he took us with him. Um, and well, that that the, there had been several surveys uh, in the Netherlands uh, with other pension funds, large pension funds. Um, and we didn't like these surveys, you know. It's it's like asking people uh, if you if you make a better world for for higher returns and lower risk, do you want that? Yes. Then they say yes, and then they say, well, this is our our you know now we can do this. Uh, so we said, no, we, we we want to have it in an academic manner, you know, really being able to say, well, this is what what the people, what our participants really think. Uh, this is really their opinion. So the academic element was very important. So we asked the University of Maastricht to, to, to do it for us. Um, and to my surprise, to my surprise, participants were, you know, like 75, 80% uh, in favor of sustainability investments, ESG investments, um, up to the point that it, even if returns were lower, they said, we still want this. And uh, while trying to wrap my head around that, my explanation is, you know, people, 
people don't just want returns. They want their pension being earned in a in a, a clean manner, not by slavery or other misdemeanors. Um, and we said beforehand, and it took us, you know, something like a year. I'm also a member of the investment committee. It took us something like a year and, and tough discussions to say, you know, we're going to ask them. Uh, and while we ask them, we tell them that their answer will be binding to us. So it's, it's not a free lunch. Uh, we explain to them that if they choose ESG investments, sustainability investments, uh, that we will execute it and that it means that if returns are lower because of it, they pay the price. And in this academic way of researching, uh, there were these loops. Do they really, really understand what we ask them? And do they really understand uh, the impact of, of, of their answers? And in an academic fashion, it was, it was tested internationally, you know, from New York to Chile to, to the UK, and it still holds that they do understand what they say. Um, uh, they do understand the impact. And still the answer is, you know, we want this as participants. And then it becomes very easy for me as a board member. It, it's, it's not a choice anymore. If it's this clear, um, with this basis, the choice is, is, is easy. So that's what we did. And we, we are executing it still. Uh, developed markets first, and we finished that up with uh, FTSE. Uh, we have this, uh, this, this ESG benchmark uh, tailored for us alongside the answers of the, uh, of the participants. It was free for us because we were the first. Uh, so everybody else who wants to have it uh, will have to pay. <laughs> uh, and now we're uh, executing it as, as we speak uh, for uh, upcoming markets. For, um, how do you say? Um, emerging markets. Andre, you were originally due to come out to Australia to be part of our conference, and I'm sorry that conditions are such that that can't happen, but you've been very generous with your time today, and it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much. Likewise. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, and I hope that still, you know, the, the outflow of information is, is uh, as good as it can be. And uh, good luck and, and stay healthy in the upcoming period. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough for you as well. Thank you, so Andre. You too. Take care. Thank you, Amanda. Bye.